Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Boys Don't Cry. Uh, I'm Jamie Andrews, and once again, I'm joined by Jamie Jukid, Bo Rankin, Tom Peach, and Jim Irving. How are we doing, everyone? Is everyone okay? Not bad, thank you. Not bad. Good. Yeah, it, it's an interesting week, but getting there. It's the end. It's Friday, so it's all good. <laughs> I'm just putting back with Fridays on Friday is amazing. It, it's, it's, it's the best feeling doing this on a Friday. Yeah. Never change it to a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. I not. agree with that. I'm, I'm just glad you've invited us back again. But yeah, you're done with us, got a new, 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 new team in. Absolutely not. I'm, to be fair, we've got to the point now where I don't even feel the need to introduce you by your titles either. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's the team. Um, so that was always the goal. Um, but no, absolutely, Friday's a podcast day. So even, you know, I'm technically on flexi leave again today, but, you, you know, this isn't work. Is it? This is, this is a, bit, a good bit of fun. Um, but yeah, so how's everyone's week been? You know, any, any highlights? It's been a hard week for me this week, I'm not going to lie. Um, I went back to work this week part-time. So I've, I've ended up working four days this week in my part-time job with it being the end of lockdown, um, things like that. I've also got uh, some assignment deadlines coming up and obviously the added things of Christmas. Well, when am I going home? When am I not going home to see people? So it's been a hard week, but I'm pleased to see the end of it and might treat myself to a takeaway tonight. Might be yeah, like something to look forward to. Yeah, you deserve it. Yeah, um, for me, it's been a, a work, eat, sleep, repeat kind of week. No, no highlight, but no massive like, not a massive low light or anything. Just kind of like a steady week. <laughs> yeah, just the middle of the ground. Just came and gone. Yeah. Yeah, same for me. I feel like it's a. Uh, I feel like I'm sort of heading towards that mid to end term sort of crash. That 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 sort of sort of looming and um, it was quite funny the other day we were um i was co-teaching um um a class th- uh yesterday actually and uh, it was all all happy jolly, jolly from the class and then when, when everyone left we all just sort of <laughs> our faces just sort of slowly dropped and i was like is everyone okay and we we're just like no <laughs> so yeah it's um i think we're i think we're at that point in the term where there's lots of deadlines um, lots of uncertainty happening. I think, I, I, I think more than ever, I can feel it in the air, just everything mounting with everybody. So, um, yeah, today's been, this week's been quite full on. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long slog, hasn't it, since March, really, it's sort of without um, too much by way of breaks. My, my highlight this week was there's a bit of work that I've been trying to do for the last month that has just consistently been pushed back, pushed back, pushed back, finally got it done yesterday. So that is a, a kind of a bit of a weight off. But also we got new government guidance for the return to campus in January with what, 14 working days to get that all up and running and in place. So yeah, challenges continue. Uh, you know, I mean, my highlight was quite, quite lazy actually. I, I, uh, I platinumed Spider-Man remastered on the PS5. You know, I unlocked every trophy for that. So that was a it was a little win. You know, I did it about it was about one o'clock in the morning the other day. I couldn't sleep and I was playing it and finally unlocked the final trophy. So little, you know, those little wins, eh? Um, but no, I I completely agree that you know this year has been just sort of one big like slog, hasn't it? It's just felt like we've been crawling to a finish line that just keeps moving further and further away. Um, but. I don't know about anyone else. For the first time in a while, and again, you know, this might be, I'm being cautiously optimistic, that I do sort of see, feel like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, no matter how minuscule that light may be, 
it does seem to be there at the minute. You know, with the talks of you know of the vaccines being rolled out, and um, you know, on campus we've got the you know the uh, lateral flow COVID test, which you know is proven like really good. So fingers crossed. You know, there is sort of a, a light there. Um, but yes, that brings us on to this week's topic. Then, so we touched on it briefly last time, uh, but coping mechanisms. So. You know, we had a bit, we had a bit of a discussion. You know, we mentioned things like you know I said about cheesy chips and gravy was one of, <laughs> apparently one of my coping mechanisms and as actually one of my triggers. Um, but you know, it, it's something that has, has been suggested. You know, and Bo especially was saying it, it's something that we could do a full episode on. And I think I think it is is worthwhile. You know, we've gone from talking about angry buble, mellow buble, washing your dishes angrily, um, and just trying to explore what coping mechanisms are. Yeah, I think um, just to raise up that angry bubbly and mellow bubbly, I definitely had a moment of that yesterday. Um, but I went with Hamilton as my soundtrack for, uh, for my coping mechanism yesterday. Um, so Paul's not here, but I'm sure he'd be very proud of me angrily singing, singing along passionately um, to show tunes. Is Hamilton the one that is that play that everyone enjoys that went on Disney Plus or something? Yeah, the Disney Plus one, yeah. yeah I kind of had it on in the background and then like I had some stuff that kind of got me down a bit and I was like, right, so I'm just going to tune out and just pay attention to Hamilton now and just, yeah, have a belt along uh, to try and get me back on, get me back on track. Yeah. I haven't, tried, I haven't tried the angry singing yet. I think that's, that's something I, I want to give that a whirl at some point. My it's signal comes really when, when I put a pair of headphones on and do the cleaning, um, and, and it's just bad. Yeah, well, can I say as well, just, just slightly off topic, but I'm absolutely loving the Christmas crackers from you, Jim, on Twitter. Like, they, are, they are fantastic. And please keep, please keep them up. Um, seeing you dressed as Santa Claus reading out cracker jokes is the highlight of my week. It's not me. It's, it is Santa Claus. I, it just came oh, here. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Santa Claus. Yeah. Don't ruin the illusion. <laughs> No, no, not at all. Um, to be fair, I forgot he was in your support bubble, isn't he? So that that doesn't that makes a bit more sense. Um, but yeah, no. The, so going back to like this, the singing is something that since Paul mentioned it, I definitely noticed that I did it. So very randomly, um, I've been listening to Pavarotti and um, his performance in Pagliacci the Clown, and for some reason that seems to be my go-to when I'm stressed. Um, no idea why. It's just very cathartic. I don't sing along to it because, you know, I can't speak Italian. I sort of make what I think are the right noises. But that is, it is really um, cathartic. And also, um, Tony Bennett, If I Ruled the World, that my neighbours have had a, an earful of that at the minute while I've been cooking. I've been playing that and for some reason belting that out. And I don't know whether that's because I like to envision a reality where, you know, I do rule the world or whether Tony Bennett's, you know, depiction of what would happen if he ruled the world um, it, you know, it is really nice. So if anyone watching this wants to find a cathartic tune, I definitely would recommend it. But um, yeah, any other coping mechanisms that w we've noticed over the last couple of weeks? Then? I was just going to say, mu music is a similar one. I think for me, it's, uh, it's about escapism in that, in that, you know, that three-minute window where if you can get into something that just transport to you away for three minutes um this is why hamilton's brilliant because it's just like 20 odd versions of that like just one after the other so if you've not listened to hamilton you need to do it because there's something for everybody and it's really good um um 
it's it is really good to 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 anger sing to it so definitely recommend that so good recommendation but um but yeah it's just about that escapism and i feel like a lot of cover mechanisms that i've noticed are about that something that takes you out of whatever it is that you're you're feeling and part of that process is determining whether any of those whether, whether those are healthy escapisms or whether they're um unhealthy ones so trying to shift on to things like anger singing um isn't such a bad one so that's what i've been trying to focus on but yeah escapism is, is big one it's interesting you say that i i um, i think i mentioned before i've been trying to knock drinking on the head not that i was drinking well actually in the first lockdown i was drinking far too much so um decided to, to give that a miss and i've really weirdly noticed the absence of that so i'm i'm into tea drinking at the moment because i need something that that, that feels like it's a slight uh, lift in, of an evening you, you know what and again that's a, that's a really interesting point because i'm trying to do that at the minute i'm you know i'm trying to knock my drinking on the head a little bit but i find myself almost like when i quit smoking i find myself reaching for a drink that isn't there so if i sit down of an evening and put something on there's almost like this this absence of something and i'm like i'm missing like a glass of wine because that's, that's that's what i drink of an of a day you know mm. i won't sit and drink beer necessarily unless i go to the pub but i'll always like buy a bottle of wine so yeah so it's really hard without substituting something and i find that the things that i substitute drinking with are probably just as bad so i'll substitute it with like snacking or like mm -hmm. yesterday i decided to uh, about nine o'clock or whatever run to the co-op and i bought a vanilla cheesecake because uh, for some reason i just and I don't usually crave sweet things. Like I'm definitely more of a savoury guy, but then this happened. And I genuinely think it was because I wasn't drinking. So my, my brain or something was just like, something's missing here and just tries to, to fill, the, fill the gaps. Mm. And again, for anyone that's ever like given up smoking, like that is the thing with it is that more than, more than anything, it's you miss something, doing something with your hands. You miss going outside and, and you know, that, that part of your routine. And that was the hardest thing for me to break especially again during the first lockdown, you know, because I quit, granted I quit smoking because I had to have an emergency tooth extraction. They told me you need to quit smoking, but otherwise you're going to end up with uh, an infected gum, which, you know, you don't really want, do you? But yeah, so I think on that with replacing a coping mechanism with another coping mechanism and whether that is tea drinking, whether it's, you know, eating a chocolate bar or, or whether it is, you know, singing Hamilton. I think my, my my other one that I kind of I don't do it regular like I should do, um, and I always preach to people about how how useful it, it can be. Um, but I think it's quite it's quite relevant for us thinking about kind of masculine cup mechanisms and things that you're not supposed to do. Um, is I find keeping a diary so helpful, like whether it's a formal thing, whether it's just keeping notes, writing down, and I feel like. Um, it's it's coded as quite a feminine thing to have a diary to you know dear diary all that kind of stuff mm. um but so much of of kind of like the day particularly now where um we're all at home a lot of us and there's no separation not as much, not as much separation between work and, and 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 so on um it's sometimes just being able to get that out and just into into something whether it's whether you you know you're verbalizing it to someone whether you're recording it whether you're writing it down um i do think there's something really quite powerful about keeping some sort of journal or something um or drawing or whatever it is that 
that you can do to kind of get those ideas and those thoughts and some of those processes out is super super helpful um and yeah doing it without worrying that it's a particularly feminine or a particularly girly thing to do or you know it's not you know it, it's it's historically not something that that men do super super useful so i definitely recommend doing something like that i found it really really helpful yeah certainly i used to um keep a diary uh as part of my sort of therapy so it was something that was pointed out to me by um therapist i was saying at the time when i was really sort of struggling at uni and i actually raised it as like there's no way i can keep a diary why would i say dear diary and it just didn't really feel like me um and we actually got to working out in the in the end a, a way that i could keep a diary and it wasn't just having to sort of write down my day and feel like a feel like sort of a 13 year old girl in an american teen drama and it was just really basic points of so i'd have the the date i'd write if it was a good day or a bad day literally just good day bad day um what made it a good day what made it a bad day like one point on each side and and then sort of topping it off with honestly um had i had suicidal thoughts that day so good day bad day did i want to kill myself today and just sort of tracking it over time um and just having those, even that one little point of that one reminder of one thing that made that day a good day, being able to look back through that and see that sort of the change over time as well, over a couple of months from lots of negative thought patterns to like a couple positive things so sort of spread it out. Um, being able to see that was really positive for me. Um, so yeah, a diary doesn't have to be like this big long thing. It can just be like, it was about this big. It was a couple of lines of, uh, of a diary entry. Yeah, I think the thing you guys have picked up on about diaries and journals is quite interesting because I think nowadays people use social media as almost like a diary and a journal. Mm. And whereas in 2020, less people are sitting down at a desk to write in a notebook every day. You look on someone's Twitter feed. I mean, personally, I don't. I think I go through phases of doing this, actually. Um, you look at someone's Twitter feed or their Instagram or something like that. And almost that is someone's diary, really. And the kind of things someone might tweet or share on Facebook, that almost reflects the mood. It might reflect whether they've had a good day or a bad day. Um, and I think that's just a very modern way of kind of sharing, right, recording those thoughts almost. Um, but it's also quite an interesting way because it's not something which is necessarily private like a, a diary notebook mm -hmm. would be. It's out there for people to see. Um, I think it's also interesting because I think for a lot of people, social media is probably is a bit of a coping mechanism in itself. Um, being able to switch off, I don't know, and scroll. I do this thing on a morning where I scroll down Twitter, I scroll down Facebook, scroll down Instagram, and then I go back and do it all over again half an hour later. Um, and I think that's probably a coping mechanism for me because I can pretend I'm, I'm disengaging with the real world if I'm having a stressy day. And I can scroll down Twitter and I don't know, engross myself in football or whatever it is that day. Um, but for me, that's probably a coping mechanism in a way, even if it's less of a conventional one, say eating, snacking, drinking or whatever. Yeah. And you know what? And I was literally about to make the same point in that I do think that that's what Twitter has become for a lot of people is mm. an online diary. And my friend Chris actually. He was one of the ones that picked up on like when I you know, I said a, a few episodes ago I was talking about um you know using Twitter as you know a coping mechanism for like I was using dark humor to mask how I actually felt, 
Um, and he was one, and he was just, you know, he'd noticed it. And he said, what one thing that he recommended was typing it out, but then saving it as a draft rather than tweeting it. Because it still feels like you're writing it down. It's still quite cathartic in that. But it then doesn't go out, you know, all over, all over Twitter. Um, and when you said about in social media being a coping mechanism, genuinely, like, one of my most toxic coping mechanisms when I am feeling, um, like, rubbish is, like, seeking validation from people on social media. So, you know, I'm pretty sure as a, you know, a lot of people across the world do it. But, you know, if I'm having a day where I feel awful about myself or whatever, it's so simple just to throw a picture on Instagram and then just become addicted to, like, looking at you know, people liking this picture. Like, or if I put something on Twitter and being like, why has no one liked this? Like, do people not agree with me? And it, it's awful because I don't like to think that I'm that sort of person. I like to think I'm a bit beyond that. And I'm a bit like, oh, you know, I'm too old to be caring about what people think of me on social media. But realistically, the, the, the deep-rooted truth is that, you know, I do seek validation from people on the internet. Um, and, and I think people do do that in different um and through different mechanisms, whether that's getting upvotes on Reddit, whether it is, you know, getting Instagram likes, whether it's getting Facebook likes and shares and stuff like that. Um, and I think, unfortunately, it's become ingrained in society that you're only, as, you're only worth as much as your social media profiles show. Um, and that is something that I, I really want to try and break out of myself, that if I have a day where, you know, I'm looking in the mirror and I don't like, you know, what I look like or, or anything like that, that my instant reaction isn't to go, but let's put something on Instagram so that I get validation and think, oh, you know, there we, there we go. Um, you, you know what? That was probably actually harder for me to, to admit than last week when I was talking about self-harm. Like, mm. turning around and saying that, yes, I absolutely crave validation from strangers on the internet. Like, I think, weird, isn't it? Yeah. I think there's a big thing on that, though. There's lots of studies out there about the connection between um, social media usage and, and sort of, detriment to mental health isn't that i don't want to quote any statistics off the top of my head because i couldn't but if you if you just went out and googled it the amount of um studies out there is ridiculous and yeah looking at how it affects people and yourself jim you're just saying like you don't feel like you're that kind of person and i think most people would say oh no i, I don't need need the validation but when they are posting stuff and you do get one or two likes and you're thinking well why haven't i got more than that like, yeah. you probably will feel that way. I think the last thing that I got from CBT um, was identifying where I was looking for kind of that short-term, really instant validation, but doesn't actually do anything long-term to, to, to help unlearn any of the behaviours or to rewire any of the thinking patterns. It literally just gives you that really, really quick hit of validation that then just disappears. And then you want to do it again, or you seek it in a different way. And it, it's almost the way that the, um, the CBT sort of framed it was that it, um, yeah, it, it's just it's this short term and doesn't necessarily deal with any of the underlying issues. Um, so it's about breaking that cycle of seeking short-term validation um, as a coping mechanism. But this is a really interesting um, discussion because as, as you're talking, I'm thinking, do you know what? I, I didn't think that I did that. And then actually, as soon as I post something on Twitter, I do, I, I'm, I'm looking for, has, has there been a reaction? And then you've got to, got to remember there's an algorithm behind all of this. So it's not, yeah. Yeah, thank you. You've helped me. 
Yeah, but you know what I mean? And I wonder how many people genuinely sit there and don't realize what they're doing. Um, that social media is just one big validation circle, realistically. Um, even just even little things, right? And this is going to sound ridiculous, but so I'm in a UK office Facebook group, okay? Um, so it's just all about memes about the UK office. And even that, like, I'll post something in there <clears throat> and my day then becomes very, very much hinged on did many people like it? Did people react to it? Did people find it funny? And even that is ridiculous because it is a group solely for finding basically David Brentisms in the real world. Um, and I put one in a couple of weeks ago and I've only posted about three or four in there, but I put one in and it got, you know, like, like 180 people liked it, whatever. And I was buzzing for the rest of the day because this thing that I'd put in on the UK office Facebook page got these reactions. And again, like, you know, whether people are making TikToks or whether people, uh, you know, like, you know, sharing memes on Reddit um, or anything like that, very much your social media does relate to how many people like your content or, or don't. And it's, it is quite a tricky one um, because we want social media to be a way to interact with our friends and, and to connect with people that we might, especially like this year, like, you know, this year has been mad and, but you, you know, one of the ways that I've stayed in touch with some of my mates that are further afield is through social media. But yeah, you can, for me, you can definitely tell when I've gone through a bad period because if you go on my Instagram, there'll be like four pictures uploaded in the space of like five days, but then there'll be a period of about a month where I don't go on Instagram at all. And then it'll, it's rinse and repeat. It can really pull you down. It can really affect you um, with, without you kind of actively realising that as well. I, uh, on Twitter earlier in the year, accidentally, in making a joke about something, waded into the 5G debate. And God, I got some abuse from oh, that. I remember that. <laughs> and people, yeah, people just were going through and finding other things that I tweeted and just leaving um, abuse on there. You just think, wow, this is, uh, this is interesting. I deleted it in the end, but um, it, it affected my day. Such yeah. a toxic community. Like, there's so, and just social media in general, and a lot of coping mechanisms that we develop, I think, can be so toxic in that they have this kind of, potential to give you this quick hit boost and then but there's the flip side of it which is just such a bad thing so like um it's kind of like having like a bar of chocolate when you're hungry it's going to give you a small boost but you're going to be hungry again really soon after or like um i know we've got this as a topic for another time i think but like gambling um that can give you this sort of real adrenaline boost this kind of like short sense of euphoria but in the same way, if it goes wrong for you, it can really cripple you and make you feel terrible. And then you realize you've lost potentially lots of money and you might not even be able to like eat um, and do basic yeah. things. So it's just, it's like a real sort of dual-edged sword, I think, is social media as a coping mechanism. It is. And, and you know what? I, again, this is we could have another episode just all about the effects of social media, to be fair, because even if we, we could get into the, you know, the constant negative um, pushing of you know these male stereotypes that you know how people look on social media and reiterating this idea that you have to have this type of body to be attractive and stuff and um, you know because you know the rise of the dad body is obviously is incredible and I'm, I'm, and I'm here for it but in the back of my mind it's always yeah so it's, it's all well and good you know having a dad body and people saying they find it sexy until you're having an argument and they use your weight against you <laughs> but um but yeah, I think we could, you know, we could have an, an entire episode all about social media. Um, because it's even just weird little things. Like, so I do a thing, um, I haven't done it for a while, so I've been busy, but 
um, for uh, a Manchester United like fan channel on YouTube. And I did a, a live watch along and I then did like a post-match reaction. And most of the comments were actually quite positive. They were all, you know, saying like, oh, he knows his stuff, like quite level-headed. One person commented, because I had a, 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 a hat on backwards. One person commented saying, why has he got his hat on backwards? He looks like a Muppet. And that was it. For, the, for, the, for about two weeks afterwards, all I could think was this person that has gone onto YouTube commented that. And it was just, and even though it was something as stupid as, oh, he's got a hat on backwards. It was just in my head, like rent free. And I didn't wear a hat for two weeks after that because I was just like, because, you know, this boomer on YouTube has said that I look like a Muppet. So it's, it's, an, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting process. There's a, um, a thing called selective abstraction where basically whatever you hear, whether it, uh, you'll pick out the message that reinforces whatever the anxiety is, whatever is playing in your head anyway. So in that example, you're, you, you kind of, you've got all of the positive messages and input that people are, are giving but you, the human brain has this fantastic way of just focusing laser-like in on that one thing that's going to reinforce something that you're worried about. I'm not saying that you're worried about having your hat on backwards, but it's that, it's that kind of appearance thing. So if you've got any anxiety about that, you kind of, you, you just focus in. It's really, it's fascinating and it's really difficult to break that habit. Yeah. I do love that idea that you said about things living rent-free in your head as well. I, I've, I've always loved that idea. Um, I, I, yeah, I love that. So more of that. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, a lot of things live rent free there in a minute, and I wish I could live rent free here, but you know, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but yeah, just going back to to, to coping mechanisms, and uh, before we go off on you know on wild tangents, um, another thing that I found myself doing, and it's something that I've become more acutely aware of recently, is working more. Um, so if if I'm struggling or if I'm having a bad day or whatever, um. I'll just keep working because I find that it's easier to focus myself on other people's issues and things that I can fix from like a work side of things rather than, you know, looking at what is happening to me and going, Oh, I need to do this, this about it. And I know that that, that, that is something that you hear through like different channels as well that other people struggle with that, you know, people can become workaholics and people like hate like leaving like the office or whatever and going home because that means that they have to accept it. So again, that's an interesting one that people end up working harder um, and I'm trying not to do, I'm trying to learn to switch off and, you know, give, give myself some, and I, I keep mentioning in this in that not feeling guilty for having a break and, you know, I, I'm really bad at taking leave. I've been on flexi leave yesterday and today technically, but yesterday I ended up, I was in a council meeting four till six and then I was meant to be hosting an event at seven, but, you know, um, but that is definitely something that I find people that work extra hard when, they, when they're struggling. And I think that's harder to break away from when you're working in this current environment when you're working from uh, home because it's always there and so yeah. the rotation is always there i think it's that weird thing of like it's almost like escapism isn't it where you what we mentioned earlier like trying to break away into a different reality except this version of escapism is filled with stress um, which is obviously not not a good thing like and you might not think it at the time but just going through these sort of little daily tasks it is additional stress that you're adding to your day putting your body through um, and that's not going to help at the end of it it's the kind of thing where is going to like you said live in your head rent free and keep you up at night because you're going to be sat thinking about oh did i send this email and oh what have i got to do tomorrow i haven't wrote me to-do list down have i got a meeting in the morning like those little things make such a difference um, and yeah and if it is something that's stressing you out keeping you up at night that's going to affect your mood more 
because if you don't, obviously, we all know if we don't get adequate amount of sleep, that can be really detrimental. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and again, like sometimes your coping mechanisms end up keeping you up at night, you know, keeping you staying awake. Um, you know, one thing again that I was doing, speaking from personal experiences, was always um, just like stay playing like video games or whatever or, or watching films because I kept convincing myself that, oh, actually, you know, I really enjoy the like the stillness and the quiet of like early mornings and i was telling myself that it was a positive thing that me being up at four o'clock in the morning was you know good because i got to enjoy a moment in time when like the world felt still and and, and quiet when realistically it was very self-destructive because you end up in that, that perpetual cycle of um going to sleep at five six o'clock in the morning and then waking up at two o'clock in the afternoon and then not being and obviously it's an it's an awful cycle but yeah, it was one of those things that I convinced myself was actually quite a positive thing because, I, again, I smoked at the time, um, you know, and I'd enjoy going outside for a, a cigarette at four o'clock in the morning and hearing, like, the birds chirping. And you try and find those, like, sort of poetic justices in, uh, in all the negative stereotypes that, that come with it. But, yeah, eventually you just sort of go, oh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding myself here. I need to sort my sleep and plan out. So how do we build the positive coping mechanism? Because it, it seems that all of the, the slightly destructive ones are really easy to get into and the positive coping mechanisms seem so much harder. Mm. I think it's yeah. hard. It's like the positive coping mechanisms, you don't always get instant gratification from them. And, and that's the thing. We're a part of the society now where if something doesn't come immediately and really easy, it can be a little bit harder to stick at it. Um, but yeah, so I think dedication, hard work's a big part of it, isn't it? So like I mentioned with like my diary, like that didn't, I didn't write one diary entry and then feel amazing about it. It, it took quite a long time. And then there's other things that you try and get. It's about building a habit, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think I, that that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because the instant like gratification and I, I'm rubbish at stuff like that because if I'm not instantly good at something I really struggle to carry on with it because I hate feeling like I'm not very good at something and um, so like the gym I wish I was one of these people that wakes up every morning and looks forward to going to the gym like I wish I was one of these people that when the gym's closed was gutted you know whereas realistically I was just like buzzing that the gyms have closed because then I can tell myself that the reason I'm not going to the gym is because they're shut but for some reason like, I just can't do it because I go to the gym, look around and see everyone's better at it than me. So I'm like, well, why do I want to do it then? If I'm not the best at something, then I don't want to do it. So that, that, that is a thing. Like for my coke, my coke mechanisms, whereas like drinking red wine is something I'm very good at. Um, <laughs> if, you can be, if you can be good at it. But I wish that my coke mechanisms were that I got up and went to the gym or if I was feeling angry, I went for a run or I painted. Like I'd love to paint, but because I get frustrated myself for not being able to do it, I'm like, no. I think you have to have realistic expectations as well. So like as someone who has been involved in sort of a, a decent level of sport is a qualified strength and conditioning coach. I hate going to the gym. Like <laughs> it is, I work out three times a week and I will not go to a gym to do it. Like I'll, at home, anything else. Um, but this idea of like having the only way for going to the gym to be positive is if you wake up really early, go before work, feel great about yourself. Just set a realistic expectation. Just be like, I'm going to do it in my own time when I'm free, maybe after work, maybe it'll be late at night. Maybe afterwards I'll get a pizza on the way home. 
and yeah, if you're trying to lose weight, if that's your goal, like it's not going to be ideal that like you're putting all these calories into your body and like not exactly having the best nutrition. But at least you've started and your foot's on the ladder and like you're slowly building this habit of I'm going to go once a week. And maybe if you just do different things, so like maybe don't go to a pure gym and go and sit in the corner with all the big lads who are doing bicep curls. Um, just go and sit on the bike somewhere for sort of 10, 20 minutes and just relax or go to a quieter gym. You know, just, just, just on that again, and this links in with some of the other things that we've said before, is I remember when I used to actually go to the gym, like before I came to uni and stuff like that, I was actually quite fit and healthy. Um, I used to enjoy doing cardio at the gym until one day somebody turned around to me and says, why are you doing cardio? Cardio is for girls. And again, it was just such, it was just one of those things where I was just like, is it? And I was just like, but it was such a, such a random, like, throwaway mm-hmm. comment about, because I'm not being funny, like, running is for everyone. <laughs> but because this lad was bigger than me, like, he was, you know, very muscly and stuff like that. And he turned around and just like, well, they, you know, come with me. And I was just like, okay, this is very weird. And it was just something then that lived in my head, again, rent free. Like, this, 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 this idea that, oh, why are you doing cardio? Cardio is for girls. And I was like, how ridiculous is that? But at the time, I was, you know, looking at this guy, he looked like, you know, he'd give Schwarzenegger a run for his money. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll listen to you. But then, obviously, I then got put off the gym because he was trying to make me do things that I physically couldn't do. Um, and I was going home, I really upset, I'm not upset, but just really sore. Mm. And yeah, but yeah, it was, a, it was a bizarre one. So I think I just generally think like I've been put off the gym. I think exercise as a coping mechanism has been such a, well, the beginning of this year was such a revelation. Um, I started it alongside other, other treatments as well. And it was, I was one of those people who, um, um, because I experienced horrific times in PE classes at school that it was just right. I'm not a sport person. I'm, I'm a music person, a musician. That's what I'm going to do. I don't do sport. Don't do exercise. Don't do anything because it was horrific at school. Um, and then over the past couple of years developing really bad eating habits. I mean, sitting and eating, eating a block of cheese, just not a good idea. I mean, it's tasty, but it's just not a good idea. So then earlier on this year, discovering exercise, um, and starting at a gym and finding that I, I would leave having done exercise feeling really pumped and that I'd feel really good for quite a long time, a lot longer than I ever would with anything else. And, and it, it got to, you know, a couple of months in and I was going really regularly and doing lots of exercise. And, and I was just like, who am I? Who, who is this person? Because this is just not me whatsoever. I'm so, like, not the person you would expect to, to go or be doing that kind of stuff. Um, and it really sort of rewired my thinking about how I can release those, those sort of good, those good kind of internal chemicals and, and feel good for a more extended period of time and get that greater sense of sort of, release or relief from whatever it is that I'm feeling for a longer period of time again doesn't deal with some of the underlying stuff but it was it was a lot more of a sustained gratification than just sitting and eating four bags of sensations in a night you know it's um um which I still do so lockdown happening and kind of losing the the structured outlet to do exercise has been really hard and I've slipped massively um so that's been quite hard and 
going back into all cope mechanisms. But again, being quite lazy and using the fact that, well, gyms are closed, so I can't, I can't do that. So even though I'd started to build some of those positive releases, I'd related that to a physical place, not to the, the actual act of, well, it's actually about exercise. That's what I've found for me. It's exercise, it's not the gym. And that's been, I, I'm st I've still not cracked it because literally when I finish work today, I won't go out for a run. I'm going to go sit on the sofa because I've not unlearned that, that bad connection. Um, so yeah, exercise for me, um, bizarrely, I can't believe I'm saying that, is, is, should be quite a good cough mechanism. Yeah, spot on. Um, I, I just wish, yeah, I, I wish that I could do like that. I think it is important though to note um, that I mean obviously there, there are some coping mechanisms that are quite self-destructive and, and you know aren't necessarily very very good and people need to be aware of them but also understanding that if your coping mechanism does involve you going and sitting on the couch or your coping mechanism is going and disappearing and playing video games for four hours or whatever that, that is perfectly fine like um, you know just because one person's coping mechanism is going out and you know pumping at the gym or whatever and, and doing all this fitness stuff just because yours, you know, if you want to go and sit and eat a bowl of ice cream and, and you know, watch, you know, binge watch Game of Thrones or whatever, like that is perfectly fine. If it makes you feel better and, you know, it's safe and it's, it is in its way healthy because, you know, if you're getting that release from it, then that's perfectly, perfectly acceptable. Because I always find that it's weird because if someone says your coping mechanism is going and reading a book or whatever, everyone's just like, you know, good on you for reading a book and immersing yourself in, in the written word. But then if someone says, yeah, well, I just binge watched the series or like I played video games, like all the, everyone gets their back up about it. And it's just like, what is the, realistically, what is the difference between reading a book and, you know, playing, I don't know, like God of War or playing World of Warcraft or, or watching The Boys or something like that? There is no difference, but because it's through a TV screen, it's frowned upon. And, you know, people get chastised for that. Whereas if you turn around and said, yeah, I've just read, you know, Orson Welles' entire, um, you know, novel collection, everyone's like, like, well done. But, you know, if you say I've just played through the entire catalogue of, I don't know, Uncharted games, if somebody goes, whoa, he needs to get a life, mate. I think Double for seven. me, it depends on, like, how you mentioned, it's about how it makes you specifically feel. So like, I know some days me slothing around on the couch and just binge watching telly amazing other days at the end of it i feel a bit crap and yeah. it doesn't help so um it's just that sometimes like it isn't a good thing and sometimes it is and it's the same with other coping mechanisms or like something like going to the gym people say is this really positive thing but like you said jamie it could be that you're going to the gym and not enjoying it or and you you're going regularly and it's not working for you so you just have to find what works for you. And yeah, I think that is a big societal issue, isn't it? Just sort of how we view things as positive and negatives. And yeah, like gaming as well. It's a massive part of escapism. It's just entering this alternative reality where you can be someone else, whether that's a character you've created through something like World of Warcraft or Dungeons and Dragons, or whether it's just you driving a animated car around a football track and smashing a ball into a goal. Like, either works as long as it works for you and you feel good at the end of it yeah yeah absolutely. I, and again like it's interesting because i think my issue with the gym just going back to that is i think m more than likely i was actually going to the gym for other people like it, it wasn't me like i didn't have this like desire i've never had like this this innate desire to 
be ripped and you know have abs and stuff like that like it would be nice like absolutely if, if i could click my fingers and it would happen then yeah obviously it would be nice but i've never really had that desire to to train and to be you know to, to track my nutrition properly and things like that. I, I went for a period where i had like a really unhealthy relationship with food and i was like really skinny that's a different story but when it comes to the actual gym itself, I don't think I was going for me. And I think that's why I never succeeded because I'll go for a brief period of time trying to make myself look better for other people. Um, but yeah. And then just about like lazing around on the couch, because I'm with you on that one. That sometimes it is the best thing in the world. Sometimes you feel disgusting afterwards. I found that if I want to do something lazy like that, is that I will do like other things that are viewed as being positive. Like I'll make sure that I'm up at like 8 a.m. and like I'll, you know, be showered and ready and stuff like that for the day dead early and maybe i'll put a load of washing on because that means then that i can sit on the couch for the rest of the day and be like i've been really productive today like i actually got out of bed showered and, and you know i washed some some of my my, my quarter zips that i always wear um so yeah so so that's little things for me like you do little things that allow you to then spend the rest of the day you know in my slippers which i, I like these are my, these are so obviously i wear my green slippers all the time because they're, they're they're comfy and um they are genuinely my most worn footwear at the minute so yeah, I always um, find that. So I was just gonna say, I always find the time is the issue for me for everything. So I loved going to the gym and swimming, and I've fallen out of the habit. And now um, my excuse is that I don't have the time, and it's because I'm choosing to prioritize other things. I choose to prioritize work over over doing that, and I need to kind of recognize that and switch it back around. But it's hard. It's hard to do, um, and I'm the same. If I do have a lazy day, I just feel guilty. Um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of enjoy it up, up until a point, and then I'll be thinking of all the things I should be doing, all the things I, you know, should be doing instead. Whether it's cleaning the house, whether it's going to the gym, and it just it can feel quite, um, yeah, it'd be a real downer for you. Yeah, I think it is quite difficult just to go back to and it links back to what um, Jim was saying earlier about about this obsession kind of of overworking is that um, we've seen it a lot in some of the narratives that have happened over um you know over lockdown about employees stealing time from employers whilst they're at home and you know people not being as productive is that so much society, society is geared around just being productive which i think is partially why we sometimes feel a bit rubbish about just having a lazy day and not doing anything you know it's because it's that concept of it that it's lazy that if you're not doing things something productive that you're not producing something for somebody else or you know that that what's what's the point and i think part of that is just feeding some of my coping mechanisms that you know i've got to feel like i'm doing something so that i'm productive because if i'm not yeah. what am i doing and i think being able to push back on some of that productivity narrative is 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 quite helpful for me which really hard i can't i don't have to do it it's, it's it's gonna be a long learning process but yeah um being okay with being unproductive um is is my my goal for 2021 my cup mechanism being unproductive and being okay with it honestly yeah honestly it is blissful like once 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 you like say detach yourself from that and, and allow yourself that opportunity to be unproductive and it's okay like for you to have done absolutely nothing all day except you know get through that next episode of the tv series that you're watching or again like, like I said, it's, it's crazy how me platinum spider-man genuinely felt like a massive accomplishment like i was just like this is incredible like i'm gonna frame it i'm gonna text my mom and tell her look mom like are you proud um and it, you know it's such a fantastic release so i'd recommend it to everyone is 
that that thing of being able to shut yourself away, be unproductive and be happy about it. That don't feel guilty. And don't let society tell you that if you spent your weekend, you know, if you haven't gone on a six mile walk and you haven't, you know, baked a cake and, you know, learned a second language and things like that, that, you know, you're not doing enough with your life. Like absolutely, your weekends and your days off and any any moment you get really can be used to do nothing and that is perfectly fine. Well, I think that brings us, wraps it up quite nicely at the end. So, uh, again, you know, we, we, we just talk, we could, we could talk for hours about everything, couldn't we, realistically? But as is the tradition these days, um, so we go through one thing that you're going to do this week, um, positive. Jamie? Um, I, I don't know. Um, for me, I, I am re I'm really in need of something to look forward to at the minute. Um, because while I am really looking forward to Christmas, it still seems so far away for some reason, even though I know in a second it'll be back round the corner. Um, I, I bought myself some new books the other day. Um, I'm going to dip into some books for actual like reading for pleasure rather than just my degree. Um, I absolutely loved watching the Game of Thrones series like all of these years ago, but I've never read the books. So I've ordered the first couple of Game of Thrones books. I'm going to get into them. Um, I'm sure I'll absolutely love it. I also ordered uh, Barack Obama's autobiography, um, which I can't wait to dip into. It's a bit bigger than I was expecting, but I'm sure, yeah, I'm just going to get into some good reading this week and give my brain some time to switch off and enjoy something a bit different. Yeah, spot on. The, the Game of Thrones series is really good. Like, I've got it upstairs as well, um, and it is fantastic. Um, Bo? Uh, not on a not on a thing for the next week, but just to chime in with an unpopular opinion. I can't stand the Game of Thrones books. Um, I think I'm probably the only person who ever doesn't like them. And the mad thing is, I am a huge Tolkien fan. That whole like fantasy sort of um, genre is that's for me. And yeah, Martin bores the life out of me. So yeah, and as someone who enjoys writing Tolkien, to say someone else is boring, that's. <laughs> Um, quite an impressive thing. So yeah, uh, unpopular opinion. Um, but this next week, I'm going to focus on my Christmas shopping um, as I've bought one thing for the missus and she has bought everything for me already. And it's all like stacked up in boxes in, in a room and there's like a whole massive pile that she's got to wrap for me. And there's this one tiny box in the corner, which is for her. And I think if I don't stop buying stuff soon, she's going to have a heart attack. So I'm going to do that. Yeah, I mean, firstly, whose idea was it to invite him on this podcast? Um, you know, get, you know. <laughs> you I really, get like, I really the like the show. I really like the show. I just, the, the books, I just can't get away with them. That's fair enough. We'll let you off with that. And also, you know, can't wait for Lou to watch this episode and to say, what, you've not done like your Christmas shopping yet, Bo? You mean a doghouse? She knows, she knows. It's fine. No, that's all right, that's all right then. Uh, Tom? I have five days annual leave. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Um, so I've got, um, I got it last Christmas and it's still in the cellophane. I've got um, the entire series of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I'm going to just absolutely steam through it. If you've not watched Buffy, you're missing out. It's one of my favourite series ever. So I'm just going to sit and just binge and see if I can get to the end of it by the week. I don't know if it's possible, but I'm going to try. That sounds incredible. I still absolutely love Buffy. And then I watched Angel a little bit, but I didn't really like Angel as much. But yeah, that sounds incredible. Um, Jim? Uh, I On the back of our conversation, so I'm going to pick one day where I don't have meetings right until the end of the day. 
I'm going to log off early. I'm not going to feel guilty about it. That sounds spot. That sounds spot on. I think you need to do that as well. I think you're working too hard. Um, mine is dead random. So um, I eat a lot of pasta, right? Like um, I've gone through. I go through periods where I eat nothing but pasta, and like granted, it'll be different pasta. But I've told myself this week that I'm going to try and not eat pasta, and I'm going to get more creative again. And I bought. Um, a big sack of potatoes and I'm just really enjoying at the minute just cooking different types of potato and it sounds like such a, a bizarre thing but I, I really look forward to it every day going right what type of potatoes are we going to make this evening do you know so I made parmentier potatoes last night and they were absolutely delicious Um, you know I might make some roasties tonight or something or maybe some dauphinois potatoes you know who knows that's the exciting part about it is that I just sort of see what happens but um, yeah so on that then Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you for watching. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll see you next time. Look after yourselves. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.